Welcome to the Improver Network Podcast. The Improver Network mission is to make the world better by helping faith-driven leaders, entrepreneurs, and small business owners improve personally and professionally. Finding balance and maintaining focus in a world of distractions and discouragement can be challenging and frustrating, but we're here to help you discover your purpose, become more productive, and reach your true potential. Now here's your host, Justin Winstead. All right, welcome to episode one of the Improver Network podcast. This is official. This is the this is our first round. We are at the beginning of something new, and uh, here we are. We're just going to dive like head first in, no <laughs> dipping the toe in the water. We're getting ready, and uh, this is going to be an awesome podcast. We're really excited about where it's going. We know at the beginning there will be just probably a few people that get access to this, but it's going to grow, and we're going to really use this to positively impact people's lives and therefore impact the world. And so super excited about it. A lot of you that are listening to this, you're really just trying to figure out what is this whole thing about. Uh, This word improver is on the one hand a common word, but it's like, wait, how are we using it? So that's really what we're going to dive into today is just starting with the basics. Uh, Improver. What is an improver? Who is an improver? Am I one? Are you one? Like, where did it come from? And uh, how do we recognize improvers? And how do we react to them? And so we're just going to really dive into all of that. And so first off, though, back to the basics, who are you? Who am I? Yeah, no, that's great. (laughs) Thanks so much for that. Yeah. So I am Justin Winstead and I'm Kenzie Harvell. Kenzie Harvell. And kind of brainchild behind the improver uh, network idea and uh, improver coach. And so a part of my uh, motivation is not only being an improver, but coaching improvers. Mm -hmm. And you're here in part just because I have seen you be an improver. And I was like, man, you're the example of really what we're trying to help people become and trying to create more of. Yeah, and I think it's just a good dialogue um, for people to relate to and for us to discuss more of what the network can do for you and how it can help. Yeah, and kind of going back, and we'll have another podcast later, we really unpack our stories, but one of the things I think is just awesome about knowing you for years and years now is just seeing different areas of your life where you've continued to chisel, continue to refine, continue to grow, and so people may ask, well, like, how do you get on the podcast, or why did you, how did y'all get together? A part of it was, is just you being so close and watching you improve, and I'm like, man, if you can do that in your life, and we can help, uh, if I can do it, anybody can do it, that's (laughs) right, so... So yeah, that's kind of where we are. So this idea of improver, um, yeah, I'll tell you where it kind of came from for me, the, the word itself. And so this harkens back, uh, I think it was maybe even, were you the one who introduced me to Enneagram? I, so. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with Enneagram out there, uh, we'll have another podcast where we really unpack all mm-hmm. the stuff on Enneagram, but it is an ancient personality typing system that really helps people to um figure out how they interpret the world, how they, what motivates them, how they tend to react and act uh, in situations, how they handle conflict. So what else would you say about the Enneagram? Um, I would say it gives you a vocabulary for some of the feelings or reactions that you have. And um, also it, it shows you your strengths and weaknesses, but it shows you how you can turn your weaknesses into strengths, which is a little bit different than other personality testing or, um, ideologies, I guess. Yeah, because the different personalities, 
according to the Enneagram, is you go to health, uh, mm-hmm. you go to different personalities when you're a healthy version of yourself, mm-hmm. or you may act a different way if you're unhealthy, and so they really do a good job of laying that out. Right. Uh, and part of the basis of the Enneagram is, is that there's nine different personality types, mm-hmm. and so each one of them has a, a number, and then there can be some combinations of those based on what they call their wing mm-hmm. uh, on there. So uh, again, we don't have time to unpack all of what the Enneagram is, but the reason we're bringing that up is because uh, you and I both are ones on the Enneagram. Number one. Number one. And really, when I first heard about the Enneagram, I didn't, I love personality <laughs> tests, so I liked it in general. I didn't like it for me because when I realized that, man, I'm a number one on this, it just didn't sit punch. right. Yes. And the reason that that was for me, in part because I looked at some of the other numbers with such admiration and I was like, oh, I want to be that. But the other part was that the label for the one on the Enneagram based on the author or presenter of the Enneagram would maybe say it was the the perfectionist is the one that always mm-hmm. really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. And so the it was the only one of all nine that I felt like had a negative connotation to it. Because yep. perfectionism just seems... It just seems wrong, right? right? It just seems bad. And so I didn't like the way, uh, I didn't like thinking of myself as a perfectionist, even though that has happened and still happens. So did you, in my did life. you take the test again to see if you were something? I else? did. I tried yeah. and I tried to swing <laughs> it and I really looked. But the real key was uh-huh. is the Enneagram doesn't just focus on what you do, but your motives behind what you do. And when right. I tapped into the motives, I realized that the one, is where I was. So I accepted the perfectionist uh, label, and then somebody came out and said, no, it's the principled reformer. And I thought, okay, that's still along the idea of trying to be more perfect, be more excellent. Still didn't sit right with me. Mm-hmm. And then I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, and I'm listening to Ian Crone, who is one of the foremost authors and speakers on this topic. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, we've probably been mislabeling the ones. And he said, really, Thank the, the better label for the ones it's not perfection, it's not reformer, but it's really improver. And it was like the lights came on <laughs> and it was just like, yes, this is me. And it was like I saw my, my whole life almost flash before my eyes like this the is clouds what. Opened. Yes. Oh, it was exciting. And so I can just remember thinking, yes, this uh-huh. is who I am. And I knew part of my purpose for being on the planet, but this really gave some language, like uh-huh. you said, to it where I thought, you know what, I'm put on this planet to improve. It's not about making it perfect. I'm not perfect. I can't make it perfect, but I can make it better. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've got that idea that when you go to a place and you eat, you know, you always want to try to leave it as good or better than when you found it, as much as possible, right? And I'm like, that same idea, I want to carry through all of life. So that's where Improver came for me and that that whole idea. What can you say about, like, the word uh, Improver or the Enneagram or just uh, how it relates to you when when you realize, you know what, I'm an Improver. Like, Mm -hmm. how did that come about? Yeah, same as you. I did not like the perfectionist label, so I kept taking it. And but then I realized, um, not not everything you know that they're pointing out is is negative. I guess as a one two, you do have this inner critic, so you do need to take critique well. And so I'm like you. The more I read into the one and saw the motivations behind it, I realized it's just a desire to do well and to do better and to keep moving and just not be not be um, content with things as they are. And so I'm like you, I love the idea of improving so much better. But uh, I think I think really just my big love of the Enneagram is I almost feel like somebody opened my brain and dug out all these scattered feelings and gave it vocabulary and allowed me to really resonate with it and accept it. And so 
I'm excited yeah. that you took Improver and ran with it in all areas. Yeah, and and I, thank you for that. And you know, I like the way that you said perfectionism. It feels negative, but it's mm-hmm. really it's not because you know if I'm having brain surgery, I'm really hoping that that doctor is a perfectionist. Yeah. You know, I don't want him an eighty percent. You know, eighty percent go is a great business principle right. in a lot of ways. But in things like uh, you know developing a rocket ship or doing yep. brain surgery or things like that, you really want that you know, precision mm-hmm. there, you know, mm-hmm. I, I really love perfectionists when it relates to payroll or accounting. Right. I like my numbers to be right. I want the bank to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I told you earlier, so. I, I, I love being a one now and I, I do have to get off my high horse sometimes and say, it's okay to not be a perfectionist in every area, but when I can, I want to. Exactly. So. Yeah. And it has a lot to do with part of this podcast is the idea of helping people and ourselves reach our full potential. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of the way of understanding an improver is it's not necessarily that it has to be perfect, but an improver doesn't like to see wasted potential. When they realize there's capacity, when they realize something could be better, yep. you just you just want it to be the best that it can be. And so if your kiddo isn't getting a hundred that would be a perfectionist as a come down on them. If they're only getting a 90, but you know they gave it their all and it really was the best, then an improver can still be happy with that. Because it's not about being perfect, but it is about right. being the very best that you can. Right. So, yeah, so that's a lot of how we kind of came up with this um, idea for ourselves on improver and building this network came from our own personal walk mm-hmm. and revelation. So if you're out there and you're listening and you're not an Enneagram fan or maybe you don't know about it, that's okay. The main thing to realize is is that there's some people that their motivation in the world, their drive in the world has to do with just making it better, has to do with helping things reach its potential. They love to refine. They love to make things better. And that's different than other motivations that might be more about uh, keeping the peace or about having fun or just challenging the status Mm -hmm. quo. So Uh, Even if the Enneagram isn't a part of your framework, uh, you may be a person out there that you can relate to this idea on, yeah, I do. I just want to make things better. I want my family to be better, my workplace to be better. I want to improve my community. And so if you've got that drive, it might be today that this is your uh, light bulb moment. You're going, you know what? That's me. I am an improver. Like I want, there's these, and look, we all have different pieces of all the personalities, right? So all nine on the Enneagram, we have some of that, but then the dominant personality for the one is that improver. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you are an improver. If so, uh, our podcast is specifically and especially for you. Right. And so we're really excited to provide you some content that will help you to grow in your self-awareness on that and learn how to channel that in a healthy way. Because we're going to yep. talk about how improvers, they do make things better, but if they're unhealthy, they can make things worse. And so that's the thing we want to avoid. And we've both been there. Yep. So that's really what we're going to get into. So let's start out with really getting more specific and more granular on uh, what really, how do you define an improver? Uh, what are their characteristics? So let's mm-hmm. just start out with that. We already talked about they want to make the world a better place. Right. Uh, they want to make themselves better. Right. Uh, what other at, just general attitudes that you would notice about someone who's an improver kind of stick out to you? Yeah, I was thinking through a lot of times I will um, notice a fellow improver by the seasons of their life. So I know a lot of us live in first, second, third, you know, fourth quarter. Some of us live literally seasonally fall, winter, summer, spring. But I always notice when somebody lives like from one goal to the next. So they're, they're setting a goal and they're, they're, focused on that. And then once they reach that goal, it's on to something else. And this isn't somebody who has a, 
a moving finish line who is never content. It's just, hey, I've seen this area in my life that I need to refine. And so I'm, I'm really focused on that. And so it seems like the people who have their hands kind of in a little bit of everything, I tend to notice are improvers and they, and they're not just, you know, they're not just learning a new language just yeah. for fun. They're learning it because there's a, a goal behind cool. it. Yeah, there's some people yeah. out there that, you you know, everybody knows a list person where you're like, mm-hmm. okay, man, I like to put check. myself off and check it off. Well, if you can think about the way that is, an improver basically has a never-ending list that is just always in their mind. And so part of what you're saying about a the attitude list. is that yeah. that mental list is just we're always seeing things like, oh, I should do that. I uh-huh. need to do that. I ought to do that. So we're very driven by the ideal uh, thing. And so uh, that's good because we mm-hmm. get stuff done and we make it better. But it can also be challenging. You mentioned the word contentment. Mm-hmm. Well, well, part of what we're trying to do in the Improver Network is help people find balance between, yes, I'm content, but I'm not complacent. Right. Because there's really two extremes in the world out there, and that's people who are never content. They're always going for the next thing, the next promotion, the next whatever, and they're just never satisfied they have no gratitude. They have no thanksgiving in their mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. And that's just a horrible way to live because uh, if you're always chasing after that next thing, you're never really enjoying things. And if you're never enjoying things, you're going to, that's going right. to uh, And that manifest goes back itself. to their intention. Is their intention to, to make more money or is their intention to gain a better status or is it to produce more or to, um, you know, provide for their family or is there some other goal? I think it always goes back to intention of, of sure. like you're saying, for your contentment level. Yeah, and so not being complacent mm-hmm. is good as long as you're not taking it to the extreme. But then, so you've got those people who are never content and always trying, but then you got those people who are always content. And man, they <laughs> and just... they drive me insane. <laughs> and you're Ugh. just like, kick, you know, get your button gear, yes. right? Like, do something. Like, <laughs> you're I realize wasting. you are wasting. wasting That's right. Like, and you know, John Piper wrote a book called "Don't Waste Your Life." And mm-hmm. you know, I think about that. There's some people that they're wasting their life by doing bad things, but most people would just waste their life by just not doing great things. They right. just kind of are status quo, and okay is fine with uh-huh. them. And so it's really hard to say, you know what, I'm, I'm content with what I have, and I'm very grateful for my home, for my family. I love the health that I have. But right. at the same time, I'm not going to just, you know, sit on my laurels and just not do anything about it. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to get moving. I'm going to um, try to make Take things better. Take the next better. step. Yeah. So if you're around the Improver Network, one of the things you'll see on our uh, email signatures and our marketing stuff is the idea of good and getting better. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of where this comes from is the good is, is realizing the good in your own life and in your own self and in the world and being able to be content with that good, mm-hmm. but the getting better, and there's no G on the end of that, it's getting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the getting better getting. is that we are uh, we are not being complacent and we're striving to improve and be better today than we were yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so trying to walk that balance is a big mm-hmm. part of what we're doing here with the Improver Network. So, uh, so yeah, that was a great uh, little piece on the attitude uh, of the improver. So uh, when we think about personality uh, traits of improver, I'm going to mention a few of these. And when I do, I want to put you on the spot here and okay. see if you can uh, relate to maybe a, a story or something that happened or where you've seen this play out on it. So I'm going to give a, a list here of about like five or six things here. Okay. So some personality traits of an improver are is that they're serious and straightforward during conversation. I mean, you and I right now are having to uh, exert a little bit of effort to laugh yeah. and really trying to make this on because our propensity would be is just go real serious and right. super and deep, real deep all the time. 
uh, attuned to practicality and frugality, hardworking mm-hmm. and diligent, especially as employees, uh, high internal standards, and I would say standards slash pressure. We put a lot of pressure yeah. on ourselves. Uh, we ha- we're very rigid in our plans and our decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, intense ability to concentrate. So that kind of goes into that depth and man, like really what is the best or the most optimal outcome or explanation in a situation. Uh, And then a natural talent for teaching and instructing. Hey, that's pretty good. If we're on a podcast trying to deliver content to people, it's great that that we've got this natural uh, talent on it. And and then the another thing I would add to this list uh, as well is just the literal communication style, you know, of improver. Many time improvers, like we, we don't like being let down. And if you give us your word, like that means so much Mm -hmm. uh, to us and that. So there's kind of a laundry list of certain personality traits. Whenever I share those, is there a situation or story that comes to mind? And if you don't have one, that's all right. But do you have something that, that triggered for you? Just, just the idea of expectations. I think a lot of times, and almost almost daily, I wake up with the expectation that the person who has said they're going to follow through with me is going to get it done. And sometimes I think I set too high of expectations, but then I always question, well, if I didn't, they wouldn't ever meet that bar. So I'm just, I'm just thinking as being a mom and, mm-hmm. you know, homeschooling my kids. And I, I do tend to set these high expectations for them. And a lot of times as a one, I have to realize, like you were saying earlier, that 90% may be everything they could give me, but, you know, there's always a little bit of wiggle room for me to come beside them and, and help them and encourage them to see that, Hey, we could have, we could have done this differently, but you also said frugality. And so as an improver, I think sometimes, and I'm going to talk about myself, I've had to learn that I need to value, um, people over my to-do list. So Mm -hmm. if my to-do list says, you know, we're going to do this, this, and this, and this, and this is the most affordable way to do it. But if I see that it could, you know, just spending the money is going to help me in my relationship with somebody or it's going to help my family enjoy the moment better, I have to be willing just to release that and not to try to do something so perfect in my own eyes that I'm, you know, uh, not allowing real real relationship to happen, real life to happen and not be so rigid. You also use that word. You know, one of the phrases that comes up in the improver conversations when we talk about uh, what drives an improver is this idea of good enough. Uh And that is such a loaded phrase for us, whereas most people are like, good enough. Like, man, like what's wrong with that? Right. But like the improver really struggles with that. And so both of the comments you just made Mm -hmm. really deal with that idea. And of course, part of the unmet expectations. I mean, we deal with that all the time because, man, that person gave us their word. I'm amazed, um, you know, here at the house, like where people will come in and spend, you know, 30, 45 minutes, an hour or more measuring things for a job, you know, taking pictures, discovering the needs. And then they're like, I'll get you a quote by the end of the day or tomorrow. And then you never hear from them. You follow up like, hey, what's going on? And then you and know, you're thinking, if this was me, I would have already had yes. everything done <laughs> to a T. And a so tea. it's amazing how much of that's out there, but an improver takes that more personally than yep. I think the rest of the population, you know, out there. And so it can be hard because we are very literal in that, but things, it is hard because sometimes things are not good enough for us. Right. And it's one of the pressure things that people around us sometimes feel mm-hmm. is, is that, man, uh, no matter how, up. that's right, no matter how good I am, I don't measure up. I can never meet your expectations. And so Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that 
we would love to do in the Improver Network is help people in their specific context and situations get a better grasp on, wait, are you being that extreme end of perfectionism and putting unrealistic expectations uh, on you, on others? On others, yeah. yeah. Are you walking that balance? And so that'll right. be one of the things we help improvers with as we uh, as we go along. So, so yeah, those are some of those personality traits uh, of improver. It's so funny as we're doing this, almost like looking in a mirror, right? We're oh, like, man, this is yeah. like <laughs> describing up who... a mirror and not liking sometimes what you see. And it's so hard to be vulnerable, but I feel like, man, this is reading my mail here, and we're putting it out mm-hmm. on this podcast for the world to listen to. And it's mm-hmm. like, man, we're really sharing. I'm making a list of people <laughs> I need to apologize to right now this as we're going right. through it. Another one of those lists. Yeah, another list. <laughs> So as we kind of transition from like personality traits, what are the core values of an improver? And so those things that like an improver really values so much, we, we talked about clear communication and commitment that already came up, but is there a, a certain value that you're like, man, most improvers really have yeah. this in common? And I'm going to speak about you for a little bit. I think most improvers want to do what's right because it's what's right. We're not... There is a component of integrity in there, mm-hmm. but I know if I'm, we we vacation together a lot of times. And so if we're booking stuff for each other's families or things like that, I know that you're going to do what's right, not because you want others to see it or you want to get the, the accolades for it, but you're going to do it because that's what's right. And I feel just like that with your job and then the other aspects of our friendship. But there there's something deep in the gut of an improver that's like, you just want everybody to do what's right yes. just for the sake of it. And I, I, I really treasure that and value that, but it, yet it, it is another expectation we have of others. But I think that's just deep in us. We're not worried about, um, it's not, it's not, I don't know that it's a moral thing. I don't know that it's, I, I would hope it goes back to our relationship with Christ, but it is just this, I want to do it, man, because that's how I want everybody else around me to operate, just to do what's right. Yeah. Well, definitely improvers uh, have a strong emphasis on personal integrity uh-huh. and self-control. So that uh-huh. those are two values of the improver. And everybody may say, well, you know what? I, I value integrity. Like mm-hmm. That's our, one of our company's core values and then mm-hmm. self-control. But I think it's a it's not a matter of uh, one or the other. It's a matter of the degree. And yeah. I think the improver just has a stronger degree in that, where someone else may value integrity but maybe they value harmony in the right. team more so than integrity. So they might, they're willing compr- to compromise. They may yeah. compromise on their integrity, but for the sake of harmony, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, you know, that kind of comes into some of our peacemaker friends uh, out there. And so the improver's attention really does go toward seeing and correcting what's wrong and doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And we are known for honesty, dependability, and really just common sense because it really one of the things about operating with integrity and honesty is, is that you're able to have a clearer mind to like right. do the very basics. I and can so even though we go night. deep, we don't, doesn't necessarily have to be complicated, right? right? We can be straightforward. Right. So yeah, that's, those are definitely some, uh, some values there. Uh, responsibility is a big one that mm-hmm. kind of goes to that commitment and doing what you say that you'll do. But um, why else do you think responsibility is such a value and people are irresponsible? It just, it, it irks us more than maybe the general uh <laughs> I don't know if population. we feel like we carry the weight of everybody who's irresponsible or like we'll have to make up for them somehow. Yeah, it's, I will say, though, at the same time, it also makes it hard for us to delegate. Mm-hmm. When you see people not follow through, you think, can I trust them with this responsibility or should I just do it myself? 
I've yeah, re- perfectionists are almost always micromanagers because yes. of that. Yeah, and so that responsibility, I think, kind of goes into the ability also for us to uh, want things to reach their potential. Mm-hmm. And when people are irresponsible, we're like, wait, you could have made this grade or accomplished this uh, uh, right. you know, threshold, but instead... You could have improved it if you did it. You wasted it. Look at this gap. And it was all because you were irresponsible uh, on that. So Mm -hmm. uh, any other big values that are just jumping out to you right now uh, on the improver? I mean, those are some of the big ones is improvement, integrity, responsibility, Mm -hmm. self-control. Those things are real big, uh, big drivers. And hopefully as we go, this just this idea of self-awareness too. Just being able to notice, oh, yeah, I, I, I did carry that a little too much. Or, or, hey, I did see that potential in them, and I hope they did too. I hope I presented it well. Right. So self-control and self-awareness. You know. Sure. And that kind of goes along with another value would be growth, as we really yeah. value growth. I mean, by yes. nature, improvement kind of suggests that. Uh, so productivity and just progress – you know, really, uh, if things are moving forward, that's when we're in our happy yeah. zone. And we get really sometimes maybe more stressed out if it's sitting in neutral or worse going backwards. Yes. Just to be honest, my husband is never more attracted to me than when he has finished a project <laughs> or if he is like steam cleaning the whole house and I can see progress. I'm just, yes. You yeah. like that movement? I love that, it. Yeah, getting it on there. Yeah. That's awesome. That also. <laughs> We'll have another uh, podcast on working genius, but that also yeah. speaks to your uh, genius of tenacity, liking to see things get done and accomplished. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, seeing progress yep. and accomplishments, a double win yeah. uh, for you. <laughs> so, yeah, those are uh, those are awesome uh, values of uh, the improver. So the, to me, we're kind of speaking of these things in positive terms. We have mm-hmm. given a little balance to mm-hmm. it, but I want to go kind of to some of the downside a little bit of the improver. And so, uh, again, we love improvers because they make things better. They, they There's progress uh, because of what they do and refinement and things are maximized and optimized. So all that's great. But what's the downside? Like what 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 is some of the struggles and the, the, the problems that come along with improvers? And so let's start out like with this idea of we talked about our motivations, but what about our fears? Like what are the things that improvers – are, are really afraid of. And I'm going to share one for me. Okay. And that's this fear of being um, corrupt or evil. Mm-hmm. And even then even some aspect of people thinking that I'm yeah. corrupt or evil, but definitely just being it, even if they didn't know uh, are defective in mm-hmm. some way. Like that, that's kind of one of the fears that like taking away up. from something instead of adding to it or improving it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the word integrity comes from the math word root of integer, which, you know, means whole numbers. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that, you know, would that that really drives me on the fear side is really I don't want to be perceived as not being whole, as not being balanced or well-rounded yeah. or having things together like, yeah. oh, you're defective or deficient in some way. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a struggle because... You know, now you're worried about what people think about you. And and you can't control that. Yeah. And yeah. the fact is, none of us are perfectly whole, right? right? And so it's such an impossible standard that we put on ourselves, but that fear sometimes drives decisions and actions and attitudes. Right. So is there another uh, fear besides that that you think really uh, characterizes an improver? Yeah, I tend to not say goals or commitments out loud unless I know I can achieve it. So if there's something I really want to do, but I'm worried I I just I won't have the time or the energy or the effort to do it, I won't speak it out loud. I don't want others to hold me accountable to that goal. And so it's almost this idea of if I can't do something perfectly, I just won't even attempt yes. it. Yes. 
And I look back and I have major regrets about things I didn't try to do or I didn't fully do or things I didn't promise to others that I should have done just because of this idea that I wouldn't have done it to like to the 100th degree. So yeah, no, I'm, I have been very guilty of that many Mm -hmm. times. I've got a friend of mine and he is, uh, he's got that tenacity piece, but he's also Mm -hmm. very much a, you know, I'm a aim, aim, aim. And it's like (laughs) fire already. Whereas, you know, he's a little bit more Yosemite Sam come out guns a blazing and, you know, so it's a, it's a little thing. Like, he hits more targets than me. He also misses more targets than me because mm-hmm. usually when I do fire, like, I've really put so much thought and effort into that. Like, I know it's going to be right on. But uh, at the end of the day, I think that holds us back to right. uh, to always be waiting on the perfect shot, right. you know, every single time. And it doesn't allow people to support us. I mean, yes. Several times I've – my my very first marathon, I didn't even tell – Really, anybody I was doing it, I just woke up that morning. I started running. I told Adam, you know, just kind of track me to make sure for safety. And then I finished. And then I told people because I didn't <laughs> want to tell them ahead of time. Yeah, and be a let, let yeah. down. And, uh, yeah, so that's you miss there. out on the opportunity for community and, and growth and for, to inspire others just because you, you may not want to let them down in the long run. Nobody would have been let down had I only run right. 20 miles. We and create not that standard 22. in our mind. Yes. One of the things I've tried to remind myself of, it's a very silly phrase, and it doesn't make sense to a lot of people, but I think improvers will uh, resonate with this. Mm-hmm. But this phrase is, a good something is better than a best nothing. A good, a good something, something is better than a best nothing. nothing. Okay. And that comes from this thing where, in my mind, I wait till it's the best, but uh-huh. then it never really <laughs> materializes. And so there's that best nothing out there. It never came to be. Mm-hmm. And it would be better to have something that's good and actually is materialized and comes out and like... But is it good enough? Is it good enough? And that's the hard thing, you know? (laughs) So Yeah. Yeah, so that definitely is part of the fear and um, the things that we're afraid of as improvers. This episode is brought to you by The Improver Network. Members of The Improver Network get exclusive access to bonus episodes of our podcast. Additional member benefits include educational content, encouraging community, and practical coaching to accelerate personal and professional growth. For more information about becoming a member, visit improver.network today. When you think about conflict, uh, you know, a lot of conflict's based on fear, Mm -hmm. and we don't like going here, but like... What causes conflict in the the circles of an improver? Like, really, where where does conflict arise out of? What are the problems that it comes from being married to an improver or being a friend with one or working with one? Uh, what is one of the first things that comes to your mind? The first word was waste. Mm. If people around me, and this isn't this isn't just, you know, you, I don't know. We threw away two boxes of cereal. They're still they're wasted. It's you wasted. Two hours? I'm thinking about my teenager right now. (laughs) You wasted two hours on Instagram. Do you know what I could have done with two hours? Just this this whole idea of wasting potential or time. um, Even just really, though, wasting of resources. Like, Mm -hmm. bud, I'm thinking back to my teenager. And, Elijah, I love you. I really do. If you ever (laughs) listen to this, honey. But just you had somebody who was willing to mentor you. And you didn't jump on that. You know, yeah. and then he gets, just missed opportunities, yeah, and so that creates uh, frustration, Absolutely. which leads to conflict. 
Yeah, so for me, uh, one of the things I feel like I thrive on, and this partially comes from I saw how it uh, increased productivity in the business world, Mm -hmm. was feedback. And so I really thrive off of if if, uh, there's criticism that's constructive and in the right way, I absolutely love it when somebody Mm -hmm. says, you know, hey, you ran this play, you could have ran this play, and you would have scored a touchdown. I'm like, man, I I can't wait because the next time I'm going to run that play and Uh score – but you know that's the way my mind works as an improver. But the people around me, that's that's not so much it. And so it's hard because I think, well, I would love feedback in this. So let me uh, let me, let me give you. you. So one of the worst characteristics I probably have out there is unsolicited feedback. I love uh-huh. to offer people like they tell me a story and they were not asking for advice. Right. They didn't need solutions. Right. They didn't need help. They didn't need a next time do this. But you want to improve it. But I want to improve it. So like I put out there and. Most of the time, people just uh, roll their eyes either, you know, uh, physically or maybe just internally. They just like, oh, man, I can't believe he's correcting me. I didn't ask for that. And they overlook it. But sometimes that leads to conflict, you Uh know, because they're like, well, I think I did fine in this or whatever. It's like, well, no, you didn't. Didn't you see? And so that can create arguments. It can create those disagreements Mm -hmm. that lead to uh, unhealthy conflict. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so the idea of... um, of just unsolicited feedback, critiquing others, because we want to make the world a better place. We're trying to make other people better. Um, And that goes back to our inner critic, because as you're hearing this story, you're probably thinking, well, this is how I would have done it. I mean, I hope I would have done it. Let me tell them, let me verbalize it and see how they respond. It, and I'm so. glad you mentioned the phrase inner critic. So mm-hmm. some of you listening maybe aren't familiar with that phrase, but if you're an improver, you definitely know the feeling because the inner critic is the loudest. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody has a certain amount of inner critic in them, but it's definitely the loudest in the mindset of an improver. And so we're, we're constantly putting that internal pressure on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're evaluating, we're criticizing ourselves. And so we're always want to know what could I have done to make it better. And it's so hard because we do incredible things and it can be so challenging for us to get to the positive because all we can see yep. is the negative. And like, God, forgive me for those times when I just focused on the negative yep. when there was so much positive there. Absolutely. So that definitely leads to uh, leads to challenges and struggles in the circles of an improver. Mm-hmm. I think about that a little bit with you know my team that I lead uh, on an insurance agency, and um, you know we're highly productive. We're one of the best agencies in the country. Uh, yet still, I struggle because I see all the gaps in what we do wrong, and I don't really. Uh, highlight what we do right. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's been a challenge. One of my leadership challenges has been is uh, trying to discipline myself to bring out the positive. And I fail at that so often. And so it's one of those um, one of those guilt things for me is that I don't see the positive right. uh, as much as I should. Don't celebrate that. What, um, what do you think would be good uh, tools or techniques for people to uh, overcome some of these things that cause conflicts like not seeing the positive or, you know, those uh, unmet expectations, that kind of stuff. What mm-hmm. what comes to mind for you on resolving some of that? Well, I said in our, so this is this is the first podcast, but I said kind of in our beta. Run you know, our little audio test. Yeah. Yes, our audio test that I do not like to journal. And that's probably going back to, I don't want to write down goals or put them out there, you know, for people not to like, but something that's really helped me is just a bullet, um, a gratitude bullet list of just all the things that I am thankful for, because that does help me see, um, bright lights in my day. It helps me see just all the areas that I really have to be thankful for. And so then I don't tend to focus 
on the negative. But also, I think it just takes a couple of times to see somebody respond to your harsh criticism before you really become self-aware of how much weight your words have. Mm -hmm. So as I, you know, going back to my kiddos, we can get in the car from a hockey game. And if I, if my, the first words out of my mouth aren't, man, you just, you know, race down the ice and look at you. You, you're getting so good at handling your ho hockey puck. The yeah. Puck? The puck. Yeah. The puck? <laughs> I was thinking of football. Ah, I'm getting my sports confused. But if, if those aren't my first words, just seeing my 10 year old mm -hmm. crumble, but you know, before my eyes that you you know, as an improver, you really do have to be self-aware of how that criticism comes across. So I think if we're open to watching people respond to us, that will help our help us become better at not um, critiquing everything and putting out the positive before, or just saying, "Would you like to know how I feel?" Yes. <laughs> about it, are you open so to that, that yet? Up for are sure. You in a good spot to hear it. I heard of one the other day, and she was uh, sharing a story about her and her toddler. And I say toddler, I'm not really good with all those ages, but t talking and all that. But uh -huh. she was trying to uh, ask a question about um, did the toddler, was he aware of what made mommy uh, happy? And in her mindset in that moment, she was actually thinking that he makes her happy just because he's him. But uh -huh. when she kind of asked it out loud, she got an answer she wasn't expecting. And he said, well, I know it makes you happy when I pick up my toys. Uh. And when I do something. When I do something yes. and I'm improving it. and Because, you know, improvers, they like to get rid of clutter. They like things to be, you know, uh -huh. clear and organized. And she said her heart just sunk in that moment mm -hmm. on that because she realized that, like, her oneness was coming across where she was, uh, her child was feeling value based on what they did to make things right. better, not just who they are in their essence. And because they're yours, you know? And, and improvers, yeah. we sometimes struggle with the fact that we are human beings, not human doings, right? Mm -hmm. And so we we forget that the person's value is just based on them being them and not always what they say or believe or act, right. you know, on that. So something that we can struggle with at times can be tolerance. Mm -hmm. Like one's are not always the most tolerant, you know, out there, especially if it's an irresponsible or inconsistent uh, person right. <laughs> that's out there. But, but that's I have to one take of a deep challenges. breath before I, yeah, before I approach that subject. Yeah. So, so those are definitely some of the the challenge and problem areas uh, of an improver. So, um, kind of as we get towards the end of this like description on improvers. Uh, guess what I'd like to talk about is like how do you um, support uh, improvers? How do you interact with them? How do you handle conflict? Uh, we'll get in that. So I'll throw out a few things and we can uh, talk about this. Um, so uh, kind of going back to that that conflict, if you're out there and uh, you know an improver and you know somebody that's like, man, yeah, nothing ever seems good enough. They're always mm -hmm. trying to do this. Like, I don't. How do I respond or react to them, especially if there's conflict? Um, Ask them to be direct with their anger and get past resentment. Resentment is a big oh, thing it's for huge. It's huge. improvers. Uh, be willing to admit your mistakes. An improver does love honesty and loves it when people say, you know what, I dropped the ball there. Own it. Own it. Yeah, Own try it. to be objective. You know, I got to meet Jocko Willink uh, last week, and that was just awesome. He wrote the book Extreme Ownership, and, okay. like, his biggest thing in that is you can't pass off your failures to those that you're leading. Don't make You excuses. have to do it. You have yeah. to own that. And so improvers love that idea of own it. So if you're in the middle of a conflict, see what you can own. doesn't mean you have to own everything. And don't right. blame yourself for things that, that weren't yours, but be willing to own the things that were mm -hmm. and see that. Um, in a nice way, you do have to encourage and challenge an improver that they're sometimes 
is more than one way. Right. There, there are different routes sometimes to uh, the solution, and the improver has a hard time with that because we feel like we've already thought of every scenario, right. and the one that we've refined and, and you know kind of improved enough, like that is the best way. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of like it's either you know our way, which is the best way, or no way at all. Right. And that's why community is so important. I don't know if this is on your list, but talk to other people who are not improvers. Allow them to to give you their perspective or allow them to side with the other person and say, how on earth can you, can you think that they're, you know, correct in this conflict? Tell me, show me. I don't, I don't see it. And you know, we love the challenge in the right way in hindsight, but sometimes in the moment, the challenge is always surprising to us because we lay out an idea or a proposal or a pitch and we're like, get on my team. Get on my team. We're like, let's go with it. We've thought this through. We've already done all the calculations. Uh Again, potential in part is ability to see all the things that could be and that should be. And like, so we've already imagined this a hundred times over and tweaked it and refined it. So when we toss out an idea, somebody's like, no, that's not the best way. We do like it in hindsight because sometimes that makes it better. But in the moment, we take it so personally. We do take it personally because we've already put all the mental energy into it. We've played it out a hundred different ways, and they're just like you said, they're just shooting it down without knowing all the effort we put into it. Yeah, so those are definitely some cool ways on we uh, how we can help people uh, how to handle conflict, especially in the circle of an improver. If you are an improver and you're wondering uh, how you could be supported in your growth or if you've got an improver in your circle and you're like, how do, I, how do I build them up? How do I help them? If you are leading someone that's on your team and they're an improver, uh, how do we support the growth? So I'll toss out a couple of things and see if you have more that you want to add on here. Uh, but help them be less critical of themselves and more accepting of their mistakes and imperfections. Help, help them to laugh about their mistakes. I immediately go to anger when I mistake, or I blew up our Nutribullet yesterday all over the kitchen. (laughs) And my daughter was there to laugh at it with me. And that helped me not go straight to anger, laugh with them about their mistakes. Absolutely. And you know, that word imperfection is another loaded word for an improver. In fact, there's a song and I don't remember the artist and I don't know a lot of the song, maybe you'll relate, but there is just a two word phrase in there where he says, perfect imperfections. Uh-uh. And I can remember the first time I heard that in the song, and it was like, and he was talking about admiring or accepting all the perfect imperfections. And that phrase just threw me for a loop yeah. in that because perfect imperfections <laughs> are challenging for an improver because we don't see our imperfections as being perfect. We don't see, we see our flaws uh-huh. and we see these things as being deficiencies and, and our inner critic gets really loud And in how that. could anybody accept that? That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So if you um, if you know an improver, one of the things you can do is if they make a mistake or they've got something about them that um, it's not perfect or not the best. And they do. Be, and they do. <laughs> there are things. Uh, helping them to know that they're accepted regardless mm-hmm. and that that doesn't change the way that you view them. And one of the cool things about being a believer is, is that uh, ultimately this has a lot to do with our relationship with God. And the fact is he's accepted us and he knows all of our imperfections. He knows all of our thoughts, right? So we're, he knows all that and he's accepted us and he loves us. So one of the healthy things for an improver is to just rest in the fact that, you know what, God saw me in my worst places and my worst situation and he still loved me. And not only did he love me, but he, he's rescued me from that. And he wants me to walk in a blessed life because of what he's going to do. He's going to, he still cherishes me in spite of 
right. uh, those imperfections. So if I can rest in that with me and him, then surely I can offer that to somebody offer else. that to others, and and yep. I can uh, be willing to uh, to forgive and overlook and be gracious and patient, uh-huh. and merciful uh, there. Uh, one of the tips for supporting the growth of an improver is to ask them to mediate their judgment with fairness and forgiveness. Now, so I was just yes. thinking the word <laughs> forgiveness. That's yeah, that's a really big one because we do hold on to resentment and we think I st- I don't think they felt the weight of what they did to me. They really need to feel it and they need to um, repent. Yes, they need to make sure that I know the, how sorry they are. And that coming, our pastor this past Sunday just laid it out about forgiveness yes. and just being willing to overlook an offense because. That's what the Lord has done for us daily. So just rem- reminding ourselves of how many times we It's hard offended. with that phrase being together there, fairness and forgiveness, because uh-huh. in our minds sometimes like, oh, well, that was unfair or unjust and uh-huh. all that. But what we really have to do is back up and say, you know what, really is fair. I've been forgiven yep. many times by many people, and I need to extend that. That is the fair yep. thing to do. So being patient with people. Um Another thing that we can do to support the growth of an improver is to uh, remind them to share responsibility with others. You kind of yeah, talked about that totally earlier with the uh, the micromanagement. I can remember many years ago when I was doing youth ministry, and we had an awesome youth group in northeast Louisiana and just incredible church, and there were so many good things going, but then there was a lot of problems that were arising in the ministry that I was leading, and so I pulled together this uh group of people. It was uh, youth leaders and teachers. It was parents. It was staff members. Uh, just these people, we got in a room and there's a big dry erase board. And so I was ready for the for the feedback. I was like, hey, like, let's give it home. And I really thought the list would be fairly short. And after all this time, like, it ended up being chock full of like issues and problems. Yeah. And I couldn't believe that I had that many blind spots uh-huh. in the way that I was leading in that. But at the end of all that, we came up with three words, and I remember circling those three words in the middle of all these other complaints because there was three buckets that those complaints fell in, and they mm-hmm. were communicate, delegate, don't procrastinate. <laughs> and all the eights. All the eights. And so, you know, uh, what, 15 years later, 16, whatever, I'm still, I still remember that on it, but yeah. one of the big ones was the delegate. And I wanted things to be so good in the youth group that I was I was doing it all. Right. And I realized that I needed to rely on the parents. I needed to rely mm-hmm. on the leaders and even the youth to take mm-hmm. part in that. And I still struggle from time to time with delegation, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm realizing how important that is. One of the books that got given to me by a friend recently was a book called who not how. And so if you're out there and you're struggling with delegation, I would encourage you to pick up that book and read who not how, and uh, that'll help you with delegation. I just need to point out that you said a a recent book that got given to me. And I love that. I love that you said laurels and got given and yeah, if you can figure better. this out, both of us are from the South, <laughs> and look, there's going to be a lot of Southern sayings in there. In fact, we were talking about how the improvement needs to realize there's more than one way to get something, and I almost said there's more than one way to skin a cat. Skin a cat. You know, I don't know why people yep. skin cats, but there's more than one way to do it, apparently. And, uh, it doesn't you know, even make sense. It doesn't yeah. make sense, but... Yeah, so if you end up being a frequent listener of the podcast, you're going to catch Ooh. some of this uh, these Southern sayings and... You know, this accent that I have, this is what happens when you take a Louisiana boy. It's got some country and Cajun in him and put him in Texas, uh-huh. and you got that twang, and it all mixes together, and this is what comes out. So, And, and, and a country boy who grew up on sayings. Sayings, All these right. sayings that we know what they mean, but other people, they, they need some education on that. Absolutely. 
And the last little thing about supporting the growth of an improver, and this is one that I really love uh, on this, is encouraging improvers to have fun. Uh-huh. You know, improvers are love to work. They're always refining, always doing that. And when we're healthy, though, yep. we go to a side of our personality that does allow us to live with enthusiasm yep. and live with enjoyment and to just go have fun. I think one of the reasons that we've connected so much uh, personally in our friendships is just the fact that we've gone on trips together and Mm -hmm. traveled. And so we've been able to see each other outside of the normal productive environments and like us just... Once flourish on vacation because you get them out of their work environment, you get them out of their home and all these to-do lists just vanish. And all of a sudden, all the energy they would have put into work, they put into fun. And so I I like to justify my my oneness... (laughs) With the idea that I work hard so I can play hard. So, yeah, encouraging your your improver to find something that they just really love to do and can let loose at is a, is a really big one. No, I think so, too. And, yeah, I'm the same thing. I, I do come alive many times on vacations, uh-huh. and there's a different side of me that will come out. And part of it is, especially if you go on vacations where things are done really well. Now they don't uh-huh. always have to be perfect. You know, we've done camping <laughs> trips and uh, we've had, we've had some, some places Airbnb, we've stayed before fiascos. different Airbnbs and VRBOs Ooh. that maybe were a little sketchy. <laughs> so it doesn't always have to be perfect, but uh, really when you go to these places where man, these, uh, the customer services with uh-huh. excellence, the architecture is good. The building's clean. The food is tasty. The friends are the great. Friends are great. And yeah. all that really adds into it where it allows the improver to just relax and go, man, these guys and gals are really good at what they do. And uh, when we can turn off that improver switch for a moment, we can really um, let our hair down and have some fun. So so supporting that uh, in the life of an improver is one of the biggest ways you can benefit uh, Mm -hmm. them. And if you are an improver, look, you really need to probably monthly, but at minimum quarterly, you got to get outside of your regular routine. You got to take some kind of a break. And look, if your budget is limited, like – you know, go on a hike or drive out of town right. or do something like that. If you've got a little bit more and you can do an overnight or a weekend, mm-hmm. that's fine. But but if you're able to, like, try to schedule at least a quarterly uh, getaway where you're doing some type of thing uh, for fun. But ma- make recreation a part of it. Realize that you're not wasting potential. In right. fact, our body needs that rest. Our body mm-hmm. needs that rejuvenation. And so part of you, your ability to reach your full potential is your uh, taking opportunities to go and rest mm-hmm. and have fun. And it, and it sounds ironic, but schedule in times to be spontaneous. Schedule in times where your your routine isn't the focus of your day. So, Absolutely. So, man, we're really unpacking the improvers a lot there. And I'm just wondering, I'm like, man, are people out there, or some of you listening to this going, man, you are, you're reading my mail, you're speaking uh-huh. my language. And that is our hope is that we are talking to you because you are an improver or you're very close to an improver and, and they're in your circle and that you can relate to a lot of these. And again, realizing this is just one of those nine, you know, personality types, but we're really going to try to focus on helping this particular one because that's part of who we are. You Mm -hmm. know, our, our pain is our platform and, you know, our struggles is our story and our mess is our message. And so (laughs) as improvers, that's what we're trying to do with this thing and say, Hey, here's where we've been. And we feel like life is better after we've implemented certain ideas and techniques and strategies. And we want to help other improvers with that. So that's really what we're aiming to do with this podcast Mm -hmm. in part uh, is to provide that content uh, mm-hmm. to allow people to continue to get better, but but also realize the good, right. you know, to not be complacent, but learn contentment. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to try to encourage you guys in that walk. So Just give you application. 
Anything else you want to say about improvers in general? Any things that you think that we kind of missed on that? I can't think of any. I, I when you were saying of how to how to help an improver, maybe just just help them to realize that not everything is so personal either that sometimes people are just just talking to talk and it's not meant for you to take as a criticism. And I think a lot of times that'll help build relationships and allow them to relax a little bit too. Yeah. Well, and I think one of the things I did want to bring up that mm-hmm. I forgot that's just a small little like bonus uh, piece here. This is free content. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. but just uh, examples uh, that people may know of that are improvers out there. So some famous people. Oh, and okay. so yeah. um, Confucius, uh, oh. Plato, uh, Joan of Arc, we got Pope John Paul II, Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher, Kate Middleton, Jimmy Carter, Michelle Obama, uh, Rudy Giuliani. Um, so these are all people who, like, their nature is, is to be uh, an improver. They did put wow. a couple of fun examples on here of uh, Mr. Spock and the Saturday Night Live's The Church Lady. So <laughs> oh, if gosh. you're familiar with them, That's why those I like them are so improvers. Much. So, yeah, they've got that, that same kind of drive. So those are some of yeah. our uh, spirit people there. <laughs> who I want to be when I grow up. Yep. So, well, I uh, hope you've enjoyed this uh, talk on the Improver. If you've got questions, I want to encourage you to reach out to us. You can email us at support at improver.network, support at improver.network, and let us know your uh, questions or maybe you've got something you'd like to add to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Again, we, we love feedback, so we kind of talk about that. So challenges yeah. in it. You know, we definitely want to refine this and make it better. We want to improve the Improver yes. <laughs> podcast. Please so. help us. And if you want more information on the Improver Network, you can also email that uh, support at improver.network or visit us online at improver.network. Find us on Facebook as well. Uh, Go on there, like and follow our page, and then keep up with our events. We do virtual and in-person events, and we would love to have you be a part of that. See you and meet you. Definitely. I want you to be a part of this Improver Network that we're building, and uh, we do have a membership available. And so if you're like, hey, I really think I could benefit from that, let me be a part of it. Um, so as just kind of one little add-on, let's just talk briefly about the Improver Network. So I really want to get in in just a few minutes on the why. The why is there an Improver Network? What is the purpose of it? Where are we going? And so just in a general sense, without being too specific about our particular situation, when you think about improver, what would be the benefits of just being surrounded by other improvers? And what would be the benefit of just like being able to have a community mm-hmm. uh, of people who are like-minded in that way? How do you think mm-hmm. that could help out people? Well, you referenced this earlier, just seeing your blind spots, becoming more self-aware, just and just seeing small tweaks. I know when we were doing some of our Zoom calls with other improvers, I was amazed at how many times I would get off and go, oh, there was just this one little thing that I could change and it added so much to my day or it helped me be so much more productive. So community, accountability, and then just seeing blind spots are big advantages. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really part of what we're getting at with building this network. You know, part of our vision is to create a community that really what we're doing is we're helping people find, fuel, and fulfill their God-given purpose. We want to help uh, educate people by providing good content that helps them to grow. And so there it does help them learn about themselves and how they can uh, 
be more productive, be more efficient and effective. So we want to educate. We want to encourage. Really want to touch the heart and help people to be inspired and affirmed. And there are some people out there that this podcast has been really encouraging because you're going, I thought I was alone. Like right. I don't you're know, laughing you know, at yourself. You're laughing. And, yeah. so, so we're really saying, hey, there's more of us out there. Come join <laughs> us uh, in that. We want to know you, and I know that you want to know us. So let's, uh, yeah. let's get connected. You're not a unicorn. There's more. There's more. So, yeah, we want to encourage you and then lift up that spirit and then equip. We really want to provide a community where we can equip one another with, you know, practical tools and resources for how we can carry out, you know, God's purpose in our life and how we can bring balance and focus uh, into, you know, our personal and productive uh, endeavors there. So that's a big part of what we're doing. It's growing our mind, growing our spirit, growing our strength uh, in that by providing content, community, and coaching. And so if this sounds interesting to you, we definitely want to invite you uh, to be a part of you know, we're at the beginning of this. This is like, you know, when we think about potential. We've talked about that word a bunch today. Uh, you know, we're seeing the seeds of something we're planting now. We can't wait to see what this is going to grow into. Yeah. You know, a lot of people wonder what it would have been like to be at the very beginning of a powerful movement or to, to be at the early stages of mm-hmm. something that everybody knows about and that made a difference in the world. What would it have been like to be a part of that story? Well, this is your opportunity. <laughs> Because this thing's going to grow. It, yeah. we're, this network is going to expand. And improvers, w- once we start expanding, we get together, we're going to be making things better. Right. And I really see this network uh, changing the world in a lot of different ways and making it's it better. It's exciting. It's exciting. So come join us uh, for the ride. We'd love to have you a part of the group. And until then, uh, stay good and keep getting better. Good and getting better. Yep. Thank you for listening to this production of the Improver Network podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can catch future episodes. For more information about the Improver Network, visit us online at improver.network. That's www.improver.network. And connect with us on social. Until next time, keep getting better.